This is a Federal News Network podcast. Today's a red-letter day for the 2020 decennial count. The Census Bureau opens up its first-ever online response form. Getting to this day, though, has not been easy. Atri Kilori is the Senior Advocate for Decennial Response Security and Data Integrity. He tells Executive Editor Jason Miller about what it took to bring this historic innovation to the decennial count. We have worked very hard uh, to basically uh, ensure that we have systems that are easy to use, that are safe, and obviously it's an important undertaking for the government and for the entire country. So we ensure that we worked with the industry experts as well as federal agencies to protect the confidentiality and privacy of the information that the public gives us. We depend on that trust to maximize the self-response, and so we take that very seriously. And we have a good track record of maintaining the privacy and confidentiality of the data that we get through our various surveys and censuses. So with that you know, experience and with the uh, modern technology, we fielded systems and solutions that we feel are ready to go and that will work uh, securely for us. You mentioned that things are obviously a lot different today than in 2010, and for many good reasons. You, you started off by kind of naming four innovation areas. Walk me through what those four innovation areas are, and then we'll dig a little deeper. We'll start with address canvassing, so re-engineering address canvassing. So in 2010, we walked almost every street in the country to verify our address list. In this day of an age, we know that we don't need to do that because we have other sources that can give us the information. You know, we have partnered with United States Postal Service for a very long time. So they give us information of their delivery sequence file. So we have looked at the technologies. We used imagery to basically compare different vintages and detect change so that we could concentrate on those areas where there is change and try to do the canvassing in office. And so that's how we implemented an innovation that allows us, that allowed us actually to verify the addresses in office for the entire country. And then we still identified areas through that analysis that required field verification because you know, if you really think about a multi-storied building, you don't know how many units are there in it by looking at imagery. We could depend on the local government data, but if that data is also not up to date, then we identified those as areas that we have to uh, go in the field to verify. So 35% of the housing units were verified in the field as opposed to 100%. So that's one innovation. Second is we want to make it the best self-response census ever. And so we are giving three options instead of one. The internet, we also have by mail, uh, which is paper-based, and telephone. So you could either call in or use internet to respond or send us your response uh, after you receive the paper form. That is in itself a huge improvement compared to what we have done in 2010, uh, giving more options. Let me, let me jump in on, because on, I want to go back to one the, the first one you talked about, which is verifying the addresses. At one point, the census maybe hired 135,000 people to do that address verification. For 2020, you only had to hire roughly, I think you said, 32,000. So that's a huge cost savings there. But at the same time, 
walk me through how you verify the addresses. It'd be easy to say you just went to Google Maps and, and went, went online, but it, it probably had to be a little, little better than just uh, a Google Map type of, of uh, verification. That's correct. So we get the uh, delivery sequence file from the United States Postal Service. That's a huge amount of information that we depend on. The second is local governments. We partnered with 40,000 local governments who give their uh, geospatial data. So we take that data and update our address list after verification in office that those addresses are accurate and that can be geocoded. And additionally, we also use commercial sources to see if we can get additional address units that we may have missed, even from the local government. So it's a comprehensive check and verification. And we also, as you probably know, conduct many surveys. So through the work that our field workers do in the field, we get information from them as well, like the American Community Survey on the existence of housing units. Um, So we use all of that information to make the master address file as comprehensively correct as possible, and that's the process we have followed. Let's move over to the the response modes. There's three ways you mentioned, paper-based, internet, and then obviously telephone-based. And interestingly enough, the internet option, a couple tidbits you threw out there, 12 languages in in addition to English, uh, and the guides are available in 59 languages. There's a lot of consternation, I'll say, about the internet response. Talk about how you're ensuring that that is as good as it can be. We have worked very hard and tested various ways of making the system as secure as possible. You know, we did a test almost every year starting in 2013 and improved on the technology as well as the overall architecture so that we can protect the data that the uh, American public give us. Uh, that trust, as I already mentioned, is very important. So we work for you know, a long time with industry leaders and ensure that we have the best solution possible. So we have confidence that our solution is the best we can put out there, and it's, it can scale. We ensure that it can scale to 600,000 concurrent users. And so it's like a defense-in-depth strategy. When you give us the data... You can't query the data. It's all protected, and we put it in a secure vault, as I may call it, to ensure that we continue to maintain the privacy and confidentiality. Was there any steps you took or anything you did that was new, different, that that when you talk about innovation from a security perspective, and I know it gets sensitive, so maybe just if you can give me the, the broad brush stroke about how you are adding either security to the internet response or you also mentioned as another piece of innovation the um, giving field workers iPhones as well to collect data. This is the biggest digital census ever, most advanced census I would say. So, you know, we are encrypting our data and this is at the high level because I would obviously don't want to give away details. We are encrypting data at rest, all of our databases, all of our iPhones you mentioned and we also encrypt data, you know, in motion. So when the data is flowing from one system to the other, we ensure that that is also encrypted. The idea there is to ensure that our field workers who are using these devices, even if they lose a device, that we don't lose the information. It's not only encryption, but we have ways of wiping the device remotely if for some reason they lose the device because we take that type of 
privacy and confidentiality very seriously. Autry Kalori is the senior advocate for decennial census response security and data integrity at the Census Bureau. Speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.